You know, last year was telling us to draw near to God. And this year he's saying, now draw near to one another or draw near to each other. And not just in some casual way, but in a way in which we partner in life with one another. And so we've talked about the importance of being equally yoked with believers. Instead of us trying to uh, yoke ourselves up with non-believers or people who don't follow Christ, we need to look for God to make connections within the body of Christ for us to uh, partner with and do the things that God has called us to do. Once again, I'm not saying you can't have friends that aren't believers, but you should not partner your life up with people who don't follow Christ. That's dangerous. You're just asking for heartache. You're asking for trouble. Amen? Uh, now, some, one of the things, too, is I've, we typically use that verse in terms of marriage. And so someone was asking me, well, what do you do if, if you're already married to a non-believer? Then, then there's grace for that, right? The Bible says if, if you're a believer and your spouse isn't, Live as a believer before your spouse because your behavior can win them to Christ, right? So don't seek to be broken from that covenant. If you're married and your spouse isn't, just live like a disciple of Christ before them. And hopefully that will lead them into a relationship with Christ. Amen? And so we've talked about uh, the importance of uh, also of of, of uh, breaking of bread. Last week, that's what we talked about is receiving communion and how breaking of bread is a reminder of what the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross and the new covenant that he established that we get to participate in, that we get to, to enjoy, frankly, so that when we do receive communion, we're remembering the work of Christ, but also uh, rejoicing in all the promises that come with this new covenant that we now participate in. And so today I want to talk about prayers because in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 it said and they the disciples of Christ these new believers and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Prayers. Amen. So let me define prayers here because some of us may think, well, I pray. And it's like, that's good. That's awesome. Continue to do that. Take it to another level. But this prayers that they are committing to is not them one-on-one going into their prayer closet and spending time with Jesus. That's, that's obvious, right? If, if, if you won't pray, if you refuse to have a prayer life, your relationship with Christ can only go so far. Because in prayer is where you pour out your heart to him and he pours out his heart to you. Prayer is a place where your ear starts to get trained to hear the voice of God. Amen? Amen. But when it says that they gave special attention to prayers, it's not this individualized prayer. It's really addressing God in a specific place set aside for prayer with other believers. Right. So during our service, Doc will make an announcement or Heather or someone will make an announcement that the altar is open. Come down here. This is a place of for prayers. This is a place where you can come and and lay it all out before the Lord. And I know some people, well, I, I can pray from here. I can pray for my seat way up here in the corner and I don't have. Yeah, you can. 
But this is a place specifically designated for prayers. Well, what makes a place more special than the other? Nothing really except that you dedicate that place to God. Right? That's what it, that's being holy. That's really what it, being holy is about being dedicated to God. This is part to the Lord. And so that's why after service, we have our prayer team up here at the altar to pray because this place is set apart for prayer. Does that make sense? And so these prayers that the early church gave special attention to was more about corporate unified prayer than individualized prayer time with God. They did that, but as a group, they also came together corporately to pray. Now, the sad thing is, is in the church in America, this day and age, the prayer meeting is the least attended meeting. Right, Cheryl? Right? Say it's a worship night, you're going to get a lot of people to come. Say there's food involved. Oh, man. Right? I remember a few years ago, we had a guy, he hadn't been to church in like six months. And we, you know, we, we, we started now, we put on the website, Cheryl, that we were having fellowship after church. I'm not joking. I'm getting ready for church, ironing my little shirt that morning. My phone dings. I look at it. It's this guy who hasn't been to church in six months. Hey, uh, what, what kind of food are you guys having this morning? And he showed up to church. I'm, I'm thankful he showed up, right? I'm thankful he showed up. But I'm telling you, you involve some food, man, you're going to get people you've never seen. But say it's a prayer meeting. Ah, I got other things to do. When the most powerful thing we can do is pray. Well, I pray. Good. Come together in prayer because one can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000. Right? Like I think I, I, I read that story last week about Abram taking 318 trained men and three of his best friends to go pursue an army of four kings. And they overcame that army and recovered all. That's a physical picture of what happens in the spirit when the people of God come together in unity to pray. That the heavy lifting gets a lot lighter. The anointing isn't just increased, it's multiplied when the people of God come together to pray. Why is it that the prayer meeting is the least attended meeting of any and every church in America. I'll tell you like this, it ain't like that in Africa. It's not like that in Cuba or Cambodia or Thailand. These are places that I've been to. When they have a prayer meeting, everyone's there. And can, and can I just be a little transparent this morning? One of the frustrating things for me as pastor of this church and uh, is... Um, you know, you, you, you try to rally people and get people engaged and get people involved, and you just know that some people are just like, I ain't doing that. I know he's right. I know I should. I'm not doing it. And early on in my ministry, that would frustrate me. But now I just realize that's just how people are. So when we have a prayer meeting and 10 people show up, I'm praising God. Thank you, Lord, for the 10 people. Because it could be too. 
It could just be Cheryl. Right? But we want God to move in a powerful and dynamic way in our lives. And he's saying, look at the early church. They gave special attention to the apostles' doctrine, not man-made philosophy, not the popular opinion of the day, the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers coming together in a designated place to cry out to God. How bad do we really want God to do something powerful in our lives, in our marriages, in our finances, in our community, in our nation, right? I mean, if the people of God prayed as much as we complained about the administration on social media, my goodness, this country would look different. We spend and exert, exert so much energy just complaining about the administration, whichever, it, whichever one it is. And it's like, man, if we'd actually do what the Bible tells us to do, which is what? Pray for our leaders. Maybe their wicked agendas would be turned to righteousness. I'm not casting stones, but at the same time, I'm not hiding from this either. Because some of us need to hear this. All of us need to hear it, myself included. Because when the prayer meeting is announced, I'll be honest. Do I really want to go to that? I'm tired. I'm this. I'm that. Get your butt up and get to prayer meeting. I have to tell myself that sometimes, Cam. Because I don't want to go either. But then I get there. And that's not all the time. There's times where I don't want to go. But then I get there. And there's five or six of us. And we start to pray and the Lord starts to speak and we start to get direction. And it's like, Lord, thank you that I'm here. See, I think that's the real problem as to why the church doesn't value prayer meetings like they did in their early church. It's because we've spent private time praying and nothing has happened. And so why would I exert the extra energy to get up, get dressed, get in the car, drive to the church or to someone's house to spend an hour or so in prayer just to get done with that, drive all the way home and read. And, and it's too much energy for nothing to actually happen. Well, we're going we're gonna to deal with that today. There's a reason why nothing's happening in your prayer life. In fact, I made a comment a few weeks ago and I've had a couple of people ask me this because I made a comment about praying the right way. And when I said that, it's not that there's words or verbiage that you need to use or a posture you need to take or that there's a certain time of the day where it's not that it's about the motive of the heart when I say praying the right way are you praying from the perspective of this is what I want God do it for me or are you praying from the perspective of Lord what is your will and what how do you want me to be involved in bringing that about that's the right way to pray. Amen. I've even started to change the way I pray for people. You know, I have this, that, and the other going on. All right, let me pray. And we just launch into prayer. And I've started to say, let me slow down. Pray in the spirit, which means praying in tongues. We believe in that here at this church. In balance. But we believe in that here at Breakthrough Covenant Church. Let me just back up. Pray in the spirit. Get some direction from the Holy Spirit. And then pray according to what he's revealing to me. Right? 
Instead of, Pastor, my light bill is go- my lights are going to get cut off. Could you pray for me? And Lot's just right. Lot, God, pr- provide and do this. No, let me step back and pray in the spirit. Oh, God is showing me you need to be a better steward. How are you spending your money? But we don't want to have those tough conversations. It's easier to just pray. But then we just pray and nothing happens and prayer doesn't work. If we will start praying according to the will of God, we will see God move in our prayer life. That's why coming together for prayer is so important because I can pray selfishly in my prayer closet at home. But when I get together and Steve and Jones start praying and Cam and Jess start praying and Jamaica starts praying and I'm, I'm participating in that, God's given me some focus and some under, he, there, there's, there's a synergy that happens. There's a thread that runs through those prayers when it's spirit led. And then I start praying according to that and then I get results. And then it's like, when's the next prayer meeting? Right? At least that's how it should be. The early church gave special attention to the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Breakthrough Covenant Church, can we please get back to that? How different would our services look if just In fact, I'm going to say it now. I haven't asked Cheryl this. She's our prayer leader, but I think she'll be okay with what I'm about to say. From this day forward, starting next Sunday, 930, prayer starts here in the sanctuary. Right? If you're in here talking, go out in the lobby and talk. Right? So from 930 to 950, you can come in here and pray. At the altar, in a seat, walking around. It's prayer time. Ushers, if someone's in here talking while prayer is going on, having this conversation, ask them to go outside. Let's allocate and dedicate this place to prayer on Sunday morning from 9.30 to 9.50. And let's show up. Let's show up to participate in it. How different will our services look? How much healing will we see manifest in the lives of people? Right? I was talking to Steve earlier this morning. You know, they have a healing ministry and they had an event here yesterday and he said a lot of emotional healing yesterday. People are needing emotional healing. I'm seeing that in in me talking with different people. People need, it's a season where there's a lot of emotional healing that is needed. Maybe if we saturate this place with God-ordained, God-led prayer, they can receive that emotional healing when they come into this environment. Amen? Amen. So when I want us to look at Mark chapter 11, verse 17, at a very familiar verse that Jesus, that we all know, and it's the words of Jesus. And he says, is it not written? So he's quoting scripture. Whenever you see Jesus say, it, it is written, is it not written? He's about to quote scripture. Okay, so is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. My house shall be called a house of prayer 
for all nations. That word house means dwelling place, but it also means family. So my dwelling place shall be called a family of prayer for all nations. That's not some rogue prayer warrior out there on his or her own praying. That's a picture of us coming together to hear from God and pray according to what the Spirit is revealing to us. Right? He's quoting from the book of Isaiah. Uh, let's read it from Isaiah 56, verses 6 through 7. Give us a little more context. Isaiah is prophesying. He's, he's, these are the words of the Lord, but Isaiah the prophet is, is saying it. It says in verse 6 of Isaiah 56, Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So when Isaiah is saying the foreigner, he means the Gentile, the non-Israelite, the non-Jew, which most of us, if not all of us in here, would be considered Gentiles. Now you got to understand how mind-blowing this statement is because the nation of Israel thought they were the only people because they did have this covenant with God. And so they looked kind of down on everybody else if we're just being honest, right? And, and some good reason, right? Because other nations were worshiping false gods and all kind of crazy stuff. But the Lord is saying, my plan is to even bring the foreigner into my house. And once again, house is not just dwelling place, but family. My desire is to bring even the foreigner, those who love the Lord and who serve the Lord and who honor his name, who honor his covenant. Didn't we talk about covenant last week? Who honor the Sabbath. Well, the Sabbath don't apply to us in America, right? I was on Twitter and one of the, a coach from one of the schools that's recruiting my son, he, he tweeted and said, uh, Old Testament principle, activity for six days and rest for one day. And it's like, no, bro. I, it just took everything in me not to just respond to that. Because it's like, I just, I don't need to respond on Twitter. Call him. But I'm like, no, it's not Old Testament principle. It's commandment of God. Work six days, rest on the seventh day, right? And the Lord is saying like, they'll, they'll, they won't defile my covenant or they won't defile the Sabbath. They'll hold fast to my covenant. Even them, I'll bring them into my holy mountain. And listen to this. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. 
wait a minute, Lord. So you're telling me there's a place that I can get to in where I'm full of joy because I've come into the house of prayer, because I've covenanted with you and I'm fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters in prayer. Yes, there's a joy that comes from that. There's a peace that comes from that. And then he says, and their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. What do we call this? An altar. So when you come down here and you pray and you release that to the Lord, oh God, I'm dealing with anxiety. I give it to you. I lay it on your altar. I'll accept that and I'll give you peace. Lord, I'm a bad steward. I'll accept that and I'll give you wisdom. Right? This is the words of the Lord, not my words. He says, it will be accepted on my altar for my house, my dwelling place shall be called a family of prayer for all nations. This is what God has called us to, but we don't do it. Think about it. Oh, but I'm a disciple. Well, disciples, they, they, they obey their master. Right? Oh, I love God. Well, the, God said, if you love me, you'll obey me. So, like, let's just start calling it what it really is. I'm kind of a disciple. I kind of love God. Why am I saying kind of? Because I do most of the stuff. I obey him in most things. Wow. Oh, so you're one of those. What do you mean one of those? The lukewarm people. That Jesus says, I will spew you out of my mouth. I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'm not talking about perfection. Remember, prayer done right is about motive. Am I saying if you miss a prayer meeting, you're in sin? No, I'm not. Right? So I don't want anyone to, you know, because what'll happen, we'll, we'll have a prayer meeting. People start, I'm going to be out of town that week. I just want to let you know. No, no. It's, that's between you and God. I'm just saying, if we want what the first century church got in terms of their relationship with God and the power of God and the miraculous move of the spirit that they walked in, we need to be willing to do what they did. And they gave special attention to coming together for prayer, to cry out to God. Prayer is also worship. We think, oh, you know, this worship. We just engaged in worship. The, the, the prayer time is worship as well. It absolutely is worship. Right? In fact, when you're doing your musical worship, you should be singing those lyrics kind of prayerfully. Right? Does that make sense? 
Let those, become, let those lyrics become prayers to God. But when you hit your knees in prayer, in your prayer closet, or you come together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and we begin to cry out to God together, it's worship to the Lord. Who doesn't love worship? I do. Right? Why am I saying that? Well, because, once again, going back to Isaiah 56, verse 7, even them I will bring into my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices I will accept on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Oh, so when I do what I'm called to do, that's worship? Yes. And we're called to pray. But pastor, is boring because you're praying wrong. Start out by asking God, what do you desire? In fact, let's look at, um, I was going to close with this verse, but this is a good time. Let's look at Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says, now it came to pass as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Man, I saw something in here I've never seen before, right? Because I've always read, read it this way. Lord, teach us how to pray as John also taught his disciples. But that's not what it says. It says, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray and teach us how to pray are two different things. Teach us to pray is saying we don't. So teach us to. Teach us how to pray is we're trying it, but it ain't working. So here's my conclusion with this verse. When, when whoever this is, it probably was Peter, because Peter was typically the one who spoke up all the time. But he's saying, teach us to pray. There's, there's one of two things that is going on here. Either the disciples saw Jesus praying and said, what we're doing ain't prayer when we consider, when we compare it with what he's doing. Right? Like they're praying, but then when they see Jesus, they're like, we thought we were praying. It's kind of like Paul when the Lord shows up on Damascus, he says, who are you, Lord? I thought I knew you, but who are you? So it's either that or it's that they just let Jesus do it. What do we need to pray for? Jesus is with us. Let's let him do it. Right? Husbands, I'll let my wife pray. Shame on us. And we're the head of the house, the head of the family. And we... That's, that's woman stuff. That's wife stuff. And we wonder why everything's upside down. Right? Now, I'm not saying you need to pray as much as your wife, right? But you need to be engaged in prayer, husbands. Right? So either they saw Jesus praying and was like, whoa, um, we thought we were praying, but we're not. So teach us to. Or they just were like, we're with Jesus. We don't need to pray, man. He's, he's, he's God in the flesh. What do I need to pray about? You know, we're hungry. He just takes a couple loaves and feeds thousands. Someone's blind. He spits in mud, makes it, puts it on their eyes. They see, 
right? Um, we can't catch any fish. He just says, throw the net on the other side. We cast, and it's like we get more fish than we could ever. What do we need to pray for? And we can be like that. Well, pray for me. Susan, pray for me, please. Pray, pray for yourself. Not that there's anything wrong with asking someone to pray, but we can't allow someone to do what is also our responsibility. Amen. So they're saying, teach us to pray. Let's, let's keep reading, verse two. And I want, you to, I want you to see what Jesus is saying to them. So he says to them, when you pray, say, and he's not telling them, use these exact words. When you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not let us lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus is not saying like use these exact words, but he's really kind of laying out like priority and um, what we need to pray about. And I think it's very interesting. He starts out with our father in heaven. We honor you. We hallow your name. Yeah. Right? You know, just the sign of, and I don't, I'm not one who believes unless you're on your knees, you're not really praying. You can, you can be walking around and praying, nothing wrong. But there are times where for me, it's like, like this morning, I came down here and I prayed. I just, because God, once again, he spoke to me something during worship and I just, I'm going to honor him by taking a position of submission, by hitting my knees. Hallow your name. That's the posture we need to have coming into prayer is a posture of honor and worship, right? Towards God. Then he says something that I believe lines up with what I said earlier. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So before we ever get into what we need or want, before we ever get into why we are here in this place of prayer, Lord God, we're letting you know. We're going to pray. We're going to ask for some things, but not above your will and not outside of your kingdom desire. When we are in that position of humility and desiring God's will above our own, we're ready to start to receive answers to prayer because now God will speak. He'll start to speak to us in the time of prayer. He'll start to reveal to us because the Bible is clear. Jesus says it's been given to you, meaning disciples of Christ, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. What are mysteries? Mysteries, that word literally means the hidden truths about the kingdom of God. So God has said, it's, as a disciple of Christ, it's, it's for you to know that. I want you to know that. This isn't like this mysterious thing. But if I won't hallow his name and desire his will above my own, I'm not, my ears are going to be shut. 
My eyes are not going to be open to see or to receive the mysteries of the kingdom because the, the, the spirit will speak to you in prayer and it won't be in an alignment with your will and you'll blow it off. You might even start rebuking it. Not realizing you're rebuking God. Is this making sense at all? So he's telling us, start out by hallowing his name, by honoring God, by having a heart of submission and desiring his will above your own, desiring his plan to come into the earth above your own. Then he says, now you can start to say, give us this day our daily bread, provide for us. Lord, I'm anxious. I need food. I need provision. Whatever it is that you need. Once you've taken this place of honoring God, and desiring his will and his kingdom, now is a proper time to start to ask for what you desire. Because the Bible is also clear. Jesus, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. See, some of us are asking and not receiving because what's the Bible say? You ask amiss that you may use it or waste it on your own selfish, lustful desires. But if I start out with what's your will, I'm probably going to start praying according to the will of God. And this is what I've learned in my, you know, 21 years of walking with the Lord. Right. So I'm definitely not a rookie, but I haven't walked with Jesus for eons either. But long enough to think that what I'm about to say makes sense. The more our heart gets in an alignment with God's will, the more we want God's will. Because we start to say, ooh, if I would have got what I wanted, I would be miserable. I would have missed out on all this other goodness that God had tucked around the corner that I just couldn't see. Right? Many of you know my story. I just... I wanted to graduate with a business degree, make a bunch of money, become rich, and be done with people. And I look at that now, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, all the goodness that God has brought into my life since I've submitted my will to his will. Amen. People I look around in this sanctuary, people that I love, that I never would have met had I got my will. So let me start out by asking what you desire, God, before I start asking you for what I desire. The scripture is clear, too, that says, let your request be known unto God. With thanksgiving and his peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. And so it's okay to tell God what you want. But just be open to him saying, nah, Crosby. Nah, Eric, we ain't doing that. Heather? Nah, sister. Or he may say, not right now, Mark. Just hold off. I've got something good planned. Right? Verse 4, and forgive us our sins. 
I don't have sin. Okay, now you do. Go ahead and confess it. Right? I don't have any sin. Yeah, you do. Now it's called pride. Go ahead and confess it. So you're with all the rest of us regular folk. <laughs> Forgive us our sin. For we also forgive everyone else, everyone who has indebted to us. Another verse says, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I truly believe, you know, people say there's only one unforgivable sin. There's actually two. The first is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The second one is unforgiveness. If you will not release people of their sin against you, you will not be released of your sin against God. And so how do you want to be forgiven? Kind of forgiven or completely? Do you want God to take a long time to forgive you or instantly? The way you want to be forgiven, forgive others. And it's, I mean, it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge, man. Just someone the other day and I'm just like, Lord, I forgive them. I don't feel it. I do not feel it. I'm very frustrated with them right now. But I'm, I forgive, and I'm going to keep saying I forgive them until I feel it. I don't necessarily think you need to feel it for you to truly forgive, but it does need to be genuine. Right. Amen? Amen? Then, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right? So keep us from the temptation that is outside of your will is really what that means. Because there is a testing that comes from God that is designed to promote us. Don't get it twisted up. God absolutely will test our faith. But his testing is not like Satan's tempting. Satan tempts so that we can fall. God tests so we can pass it and be promoted. Does that make sense? So, Lord, keep me from the temptation, the testing that is outside of your will and deliver me from the evil agenda that comes from an evil enemy that is in an evil world. Help me to see it so that I can steer clear of it. Right. What's the book of Proverbs says, says a wise man sees trouble coming and he, he, he escapes. Think about that, that a fool would see Oh, man, that's a tsunami about three miles out. Let me just stand here and watch it. Are you stupid? Run. Right? Hop in the car and bust it. Get out of here. Nah, this is cool. See you later, buddy. I'm out. Right? Now, here's what I want to show you in this. These are the words that Jesus uses to them saying, teach us to pray. Our Father, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive those who are indebted to us, right? Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Are you getting the point? That even in Jesus's Basic teaching on prayer, he's saying this thing should be done together. I'm not saying you can't have your one-on-one your -on -one prayer time. I'm saying if that's all the prayer that you have, I, I, I think we're missing something. I won't be as strong as saying you're doing something wrong, but, but you're missing something. 
You should be coming together with other believers to pray. Amen? I don't want the outcome to just depend on my prayer. I want to have people that I'm yoked to who can help us focus that prayer, right? It's like, let me, what is that? The shotgun or the rifle type of a thing, right? Shotgun, I believe. I'm not a gun guy. I'm not against guns either. I hate that I even have to say that, but I've just never had a gun, right? And I'm not a hunter. So I think shotguns had the pellets in it, right? So you shoot and it spreads out. But a rifle has that, that bullet. Probably not using the right terms, but y'all know what I'm saying. That is more focused. So some of us are praying shotgun prayers and that's a good start, but we need to hear the word of God so we can pray, I'll say, laser-focused prayers. Amen? Because then we start to see the power of God move. We start to see God do tremendous things in our lives and in the lives of others. So as I close, I go back to our verse in Mark chapter 11, verse 17. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The question I have for each one of us is with the information that you have been given today, and I, I believe it's anointed and from the Spirit of God, what changes are you going to make? Are you going to continue on like, that was good and he's right, but I ain't doing that. I ain't coming to prayer meetings. I'm not going to get up a half hour earlier so I can get to church on Sunday earlier so that I can spend some time in prayer before service. Right? Or are you saying, you know what? That's an adjustment that I'm going to make. I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to get to church on time. So for some of us, you just do good to get here on time, right? So even do take that to another level. I wasn't pointing fingers. <laughs> I wasn't pointing fingers. But others of us, you get here on time, get here earlier. Spend some time before service praying. 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes to just come into the house of God and cry out to the Lord before service even starts. And if you can't do it or will not do it for your benefit, do it for the benefit of someone else. Right? Like, let's love each other enough to say, I, I can do that. I, I can make that adjustment. Because I know there's people in our church that need emotional healing I know there's people in our church that need spiritual breakthrough. I know there's people in our church that need a financial blessing. People that have been tormented by the enemy. I know there's people in our church, there's people that are going to be at church that day who are being, they're, they're buying into the lies of the enemy. And they're about to make bad decisions based off of that. 
There's people in our church that have bitterness and unforgiveness in their hearts. And if we don't pray, that won't be uprooted. Because when Jesus is teaching about prayer, forgive us, lead us, keep us, our Father. It was never meant to just be you and Jesus. I'm not saying you never, that, that's not appropriate. I'm saying it's just, it can't stay there where it's just you and Jesus. Amen. So they gave special attention to the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. The apostles' doctrine, once again, is the teaching of the apostles. Fellowship is partnering with one another and to breaking of bread, communion, and remembering what that is all about. I don't have time to dig into it. Listen to the message from last week if you missed it. And prayers. I'm going to make some adjustments in my life so that I can start to come together with my brothers and sisters in Christ and pray in the house of God. Because he has said, this is a house of prayer for all nations. Don't think countries, think people groups. If you don't know what I mean by that, just walk down College Avenue on a Saturday when it's busy. You'll see all kinds of people groups. I learned a new people group this a couple weeks ago. Granola people. Y'all know it? Does anyone know what that is? I think that's what we used to call like hippies. Or like those natural type people. It's like, why would you call them like granola? You know, some young person was telling me that granola, she's a granola girl. What, what's a granola girl? I ain't want to look dumb, right? Like, I was sitting there, Charles, just act like you know what they're talking about. I was just like, nah, I already know I ain't cool in their eyes. So what's a granola girl? One of those like natural hippie type people. Oh, okay, why don't you just say that? But there's, <laughs> That's a nation. That's a people group that needs prayer, right? The athletes, right? Me and Cam's group, we need prayer. We'll let Dawson and Josh get in there too, but really it's me and Cam. Oh, Renee too, Renee. The musicians need prayer, right? So let's love people enough to give special attention to corporate prayer. Make the adjustments. Make the adjustments in your life. Make the small adjustment so you can come together and start to cry out to God. We all receive impartation and direction from the Lord. We start praying according to his will and we see breakthrough manifest. Amen. Father, we honor you today because you are to be honored.